live from the WLIWFM studio in Southampton, New York, on Monday, January 22nd, 2024. I'm Gianna Volpe. Governor Kathy Hochul and key state lawmakers want to abolish a 43-year-old state law that requires utilities to routinely connect natural gas lines to most new industrial sites, businesses, and homes in a practice they say drives up utility bills for all New Yorkers and is counter to the state's effort to combat climate change. Michael Gormley reporting on Newsday.com that this provision of state public service law is referred to as the 100-foot rule, which dates back to 1981. The rule requires energy companies to hook up any new manufacturer, business, or home to its gas line if the transmission line is within 100 feet of the structure and the customer wants the hookup. The connection is provided at no charge to the new customer, and the cost is then spread among all gas ratepayers. Supporters of eliminating the rule estimated cost ratepayers between $200 million to $300 million statewide per year. Hochul's recent call to end the rule is similar to a bill in the state ledge known as the New York Heat Act. Both efforts are aimed at transitioning energy in New York away from fossil fuels such as natural gas, which create greenhouse gases and contribute to global warming. Natural gas companies and the state's biggest labor union, both of which have great influence in Albany, oppose ending the 100-foot rule. They argue it will cost good-paying jobs, and increase utility bills by reducing the use of natural gas. They argue natural gas will continue to be less expensive than electric power as the state transitions away from fossil fuels. In other news, a mastic man allegedly fired four shots from a rifle as he approached his father on the second floor of a Riverhead concrete facility Saturday afternoon, according to a criminal complaint. Grant Parpan reporting on Newsday.com that Anthony Almeida... 43 first tried to enter the locked office of his father, Joseph Almeida, who owns Cross Island Concrete on Cromer Avenue. Joseph then asked his son to go downstairs before the son fired from the Ruger 9mm rifle at 3.15 p.m. The court document obtained by Newsday shows Anthony Almeida then barricaded himself inside the building for several hours Police and court officials said his father managed to safely exit the building shortly after the shots were fired. Multiple law enforcement agencies responded to the scene of the shooting, including hostage negotiators within the Suffolk County Police Department. Riverhead Police said in a statement the area, which includes a neighboring indoor pool facility and church, was cordoned off by the police. Officers with the Suffolk County Police Department's Emergency Services Unit brought Almeida into custody at 6.57 p.m. Cromer Avenue reopened to traffic about an hour later. Almeida was arraigned be, uh, bedside by Riverhead Town Justice Lori Hulse at a hospital Sunday morning on charges of first-degree reckless endangerment, a felony, and menacing a misdemeanor. Court officials said he pleaded not guilty and was ordered held on $2,000 cash bail. He's represented by the Suffolk County Legal Aid Society, and due back in court on Friday. Looking at education, officials at Eastern Suffolk BOCES will host educators from across Long Island this coming Friday in one of the first regional training sessions on the state's updated guidelines regarding transgender and gender-expansive students. The Long Island-based 
LGBT Network also plans to hold its first training for school officials on the guidelines as well as other topics during the network's annual youth conference at Suffolk County Community College in March. How interesting. Today we have the youth edition of The Heart. Very serendipitous. Joy Tyrell reporting on Newsday.com that guidance from the New York State Department of Education, which instructs educators on how to handle students' pronouns, restrooms, and other issues, was issued in June. Other topics. At Eastern Suffolk BOCES, 10 districts already have signed up for the January 26th training at the Instructional Support Center in Holtzville, according to Nichelle Rivers, Assistant Superintendent of Human Resources at Eastern Suffolk BOCES, who's leading the training. She did a similar presentation for the Patchog Medford School District in November. And finally, a Suffolk County Supreme Court justice has dismissed the discrimination lawsuit. Charlene Cagle-Betts, the former village administrator for the village here in Southampton, brought against the village and then Mayor Jesse Warren last year. Brendan J. O'Reilly reporting on 27East.com that in a decision dated January 12th, but not electronically filed until this past Friday, Justice Christopher Modaluski granted motions by Warren and the village to dismiss the lawsuit and denied a motion by Cagle Betts' legal team that had asked the court to demand the village release an investigator's report concerning an internal complaint she made to the village prior to bringing a lawsuit. Cagle Betts' lawsuit claimed Warren subjected her to age and gender discrimination, a hostile work environment, retaliation, and slander. The justice wrote Cagle Betts's, quote, Vague, conclusory, and generalized allegations of adverse employment actions are insufficient to sustain an age and discrimination, gender discrimination claim. Uh, Adding, quote, the sum and substance of the adverse actions appear to be based upon plaintiff's misunderstanding of her role and function as village administrator, and more importantly, that she was not appointed to serve as Warren's chief of staff, end quote. Justice Modaluski also noted Cagle Betts did not allege any discriminatory or uh, disparaging comments were made by Warren regarding her age or gender or that she was treated any differently due to her age or gender. Modaluski cited the case Forest v. Jewish Guild for the Blind, which states mere personality conflicts must not be mistaken for unlawful discrimination, lest the anti-discrimination laws become a general Civility Code. Reading the weather in Greenport in honor of our guest this morning from Eastern Long Island Hospital and the Greenport community joining us to talk about opioid overdoses and the hospital's education and community outreach program. Looking like increasing clouds in Greenport Village this Monday with a high near 36 degrees. Wind chill values between 20 and 30. Southwest wind 7 to 13 miles per hour tonight, mostly cloudy. With a low around 33 degrees, wind chill values below freezing between 25 and 30. West wind 14 to 18 miles per hour. Right now it's 28 degrees. And as I mentioned, we've got the youth edition planned for you. Civil youth David Benjamin Blower, Burning Spear, and hours easterly in your immediate listening future. But first, Jared Sanders. Right here on the Heart Morning and Midnight Show, featuring music from all decades and genres and interviews with folks from all walks of life, all because of you. 
listener supporter of WLIWFM, news you can trust, music you love. Change your heart, change your mind. Yo. Uh, peace and blessings from a heavenly God, almighty and powerful, almighty the platitude from avenues in Malibu to Marcy, hardly a penny it cost you, probably a light and darkness, an army you try and harm me, you hardly a problem, watch me, sure be dying to meet you, dollar bill in the pocket will probably cop you the sequel to the dollar movie. But my mission is selling vision of victims of poverty, lot of profit inside of me, eyes praying for better days, better days, that's what Nana said, sure to come when you read the scriptures my grandma read, must have been manna from heaven, a million sermons from Reverend Ron, reality lessons to be Obama led, <laughs> but if it don't embroider this denim, some knuckleheads probably won't ever know true religion. I'm trying to find peace, sparrow the gospel mention, but I look around only surrounded by pigeons. Little sister, I know you brought up believing that marijuana, baby father, Ferragamo, give Nookie the nearest baller. Gonna get a trip to Bora Bora, ocean water, double deck of diamond city life, ensure your name get brought up in that audition. But know that you can have a baby daughter, a princess. I pray that she never follow tradition. She don't need to grow up to be another Robin Givens. I hope you find a better mission, a new intention. Last couple years, tried to put my pride on sabbatical. Cause not a person on this earth is infallible. Changed man, God in the verse is kinda radical. Kept it all closer to my chest like a clavicle. Toss a couple quarters at the lemonade stand for the kids. Keep it humble, I ain't in the name brands. And I done lived a couple line yos. Came to realize that loose nickels in your pocket don't make you a changed man. The kids' favorite MCs feeding them fecal matter. Stirring it with a spoon and teaching to eat the batter. Giving them dirty money and leaving them each together. I'm teaching them keep it clean, a squeegee to keep the ladder, huh? Tell them look up in the sky for the major questions. That's why I call it high definition. It's ironic with the lines I can hook them in. Now that's a fly kind of fishing. Let's start a revolution. One band, one sound, bricklaying, building institution. One man, one ground, and give the world pollution of the positive. Politics, polish, prime, populate the colleges. Empower the idle minds of the children. Women and men, finish it side by side. Every single citizen, every tenement, every line. Every struggle, every dinners, and gentlemen and they wives. Kill them with kind, lend them the benefits of the mind. God, radio, tell them they probably dying tomorrow if camera flash pray it be after nights at apollo after night at the roxbury barclays and 4040 trojans of bottle popping vicky secrets and maury visits the mission is lead a kingdom of mindless victims to drink and smoke and leave them broken stuck in fetal position right after they get impregnant aborted repeat again pop sandies and get extorted reported to cnn forgive me i'm not perfection product of pontius pilot and merciless persecution a product from out the projects part of me narcissistic part of me introspective part of me optimistic a part of me non-receptive to the spoken word man i used to swerve on the preacher man 
Now I'm preaching till I reach them through they speakers, fam. I got a purpose, I ain't perfect, it's true. But I know the harvest is plenty, the work is a few. And I do, give me the drugs and the medical illnesses, sentences and the demons. Pack them in no potato sacking and strap them with TNT on my back, I'll carry them with you. Simple, get the fuse like the ashes when you get into it. It's mental, game is critical, pivotal leaving. From hair on the crack, I'm pitching this party with Jesus. Believe it, I pray the heart full of hatred, a blessed soul. I love you. Pray you salvation, never drink as a gold. It's hope, bro. I decree and declare, God, you granted the children supernatural strength and ability to fight. I decree and declare, they are firmly rooted, built up, and established in the faith. I decree and declare that they are anointed by God. I decree and declare. Sickness within is all that it seems, which leads me to the question, who rescued who? Our minds are trained to this illusion that physically being alone is what makes you isolated from the rest of the world. But I'm here to tell you that standing alone doesn't make you alone. Not when you're by me. You ask yourself, who is the stranger? And I ask you. What must I do so you believe what I'm saying? If talk is cheap, I've already been defeated before I begin to speak, or I even start to breathe. Maybe that one feeling, that one life experience, that one phrase is all that we need. Maybe it's fear that sets us in the path of self-righteousness. Maybe a sense of surety between our fear and what is profound is all that we need. So I challenge you to break free from the traditional, to take my hand and to follow me. Time and experiences will make us believe we will fail, will make us believe we will falter. But this is a war I will fight. Will you fight alongside me? Once you cross that precipice, there's no turning back. We only have one place to go. So I leave the youth here with one thought. I thought not everybody in this world will take to its entirety. One day you're going to see that the person that you feared will finally set you free. Unconsoled youth. Pick up your spades, go outside and dig your graves, or go dig wells, cause these days there's only these two ways still left open to you. And as you dig, you best pain of mine to all the voices there behind. You can't understand why you don't pay any mind to what they pass down to you. 
And the futures of today Have debts they'll never pay And the morrow will be strange My friends, you are the silent scream Of those who are born into a scream Out of a world which has been sold To sociopathic deal makers And though we hear the drums of death If you all have anything left Go plant a tree and watch it grow For these things shall inherit the earth And the futures of today have debts they'll never pay And the morrow will be strange And though the proud draw up the maps Tell you your names and slap your backs You can play their game or else reclaim creation from her slave masters. So unclench your fists and raise your heads. Knead the dough and bake the bread. Open the doors, welcome the guests, and conspire around the table, my friend. And the futures of today Have debts they'll never pay And the morrow will be strange David Benjamin Blower's The Youth from the uh, 2019 record We Really Existed and We Really Did This leading us into the bottom of the nine o'clock hour, a little after midnight, if you're listening to the replay. And that means it's time for our Medical Monday segment underwritten by Jennifer Benton, also of Greenport Village. Uh, we also have Glenn Henson Studio underwriting this edition of The Heart. Unbelievably grateful to Chief Administrative Officer Paul Connor of Eastern Long Island Hospital, as well as uh, the Chief medical director, Dr. Lloyd Simon, and Rich Vandenberg of uh, Greenport Harbor Brewery joining us as well. We're here to talk about a very hard topic, but very important, which is opioid overdoses and the number of lives lost here in the country, as well as the Greenport community and what uh, the local community is doing to fight back. Uh, thank you for being with us, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. So let's talk. Let's start with you, Rich. Uh, what's going on? What brings you? Well, what brings you to the station? Thanks, Jen. It's great to be here. Um, you know, it's one of those topics that's always kind of a 
uh, can be a difficult thing to talk about, but it's really important. And um, we are um, really fortunate to have uh, Eastern Long Island Hospital with us um, on this uh, kind of mission. Um, you know, back in 2021, we lost six of our local community members, young people. In a weekend. Yeah, in a weekend. It was it was one of those things where, you know, you always kind of look back on that and it's, you know, you always read about stuff like that happening in the paper and you never think it would come to your community. But it did come to ours and it was just really horrifying, right. uh, incredibly scary and really a total wake up call about right. what's going on right. nationally. Right. So, um yeah, so you know, at the time there was just a tremendous amount of outpouring, like in any strong community, outpouring of support and people coming together to say, "Holy mackerel!" You know, what what can we do? How can we uh, avoid this from happening again? You know, what are the things, the steps that we can take to make this better? And so, um, you know, working with uh, Tina from Cash J, who has been doing an um- oh, they're they're fantastic, amazing job. Please yeah, really talk amazing. about Cash J. <clears throat> have they done any of their educational programs at the brewery? Yes, they have. In fact, it, you know, it was it was an organization that I had really limited understanding of or knowledge of. Uh, this certainly brought them right to the forefront of kind of like what our focus was in terms of educating the public, um, because you feel so helpless when something like this happens. It's right. like, you know, the thing that you want to do is like, well, how can I make a difference? What can I do to uh, help this never happen, happen again? And so we really, um, they were so great. Tina and her team were amazing. <clears throat> and they've been doing it for a while. So they came in and, you know, everybody wanted to learn how to administer Narcan, naloxone as the, uh, you know, the interrupter for the overdose kind of tragic consequence that that can happen. So there were a lot of training sessions that popped up right away. There was a lot of community outpouring and wanting to be involved. And the conversation that I had with Tina early on, because we held a couple of training sessions at the, at the brewery and had great turnout was, you know, my worry is, you know, the news cycle on these things can sometimes move right along. And while everybody's really engaged right now, what are we going to do six months from now or a year from now in terms of making sure that this doesn't just become a memory of the past? How do we continue to advocate and interrupt what is an epidemic of these opioid overdose problems? Were they able to give out uh, Narcan kits? Yes. Yeah. So they amazing funding, you know, where uh, they offer these kits free of charge. They also have the test strips or no? Yes, they did. Yeah, they have the test strips as well. Um, you know, and it's one of those things where, um, you know, I, I definitely had some people kind of concerned about, well, you know, is this the right thing to do? And it becomes that real interesting, critical and important debate in the community about, you know, this has nothing to do with condoning anything. No. This has everything to do with giving people a second chance at, at life. Yeah. And this is something that is affecting people from across the this, this spectrum, uh, those who are struggling with uh, substance abuse disorders, as well as those who uh, might be uh, called recreational users. Dr. Simon, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about what Rich was discussing? I mean, this is something that uh, is really hard for our country. Uh, we've lost over a quarter of a million Americans from fentanyl overdose since 2018. And as I uh, mentioned uh, earlier before we went on the air, the number of lives lost in 2022 more than doubled 
from those lost in 2019 before the pandemic. Yeah, so this was an incredibly unfortunate um, series of events, and the the people who um, suffered from these fentanyl overdoses and died were not intending to use opiates. They were all uh, apparently recreational cocaine users, uh, mainly in our hospitality industries in Greenport. Uh, they thought they were buying cocaine, and they were they bought cocaine that was um, laced with fentanyl. And, and, and let's and, talk about like how strong uh, this seems like some they almost didn't even have a chance because it's a, a synthetic opioid 50 times stronger than heroin, 100 times stronger than morphine. Yeah, it's incredibly strong. And in this situation, because they were not opiate users in general, they they're what we consider to be opiate naive. So they're not sent. They're very, very sensitive to the effects of any opiate. And when you add when you. Uh, actually bring into this situation incredibly potent opiate, it was just way overwhelming to their systems. And then they, that's why they unfortunately all overdosed and died. In contrast to somebody who's a regular heroin user, for instance, and when fentanyl first entered the market, we had a, a, a large increase in overdoses because people weren't used to the potency of the fentanyl. Right. These days, unfortunately, fentanyl's everywhere. Right. So many of my patients, and I've been doing this um, since the late 80s, uh, taking care of people with, with substance use disorders, many of our patients are actually seeking out uh, stronger, potent uh, opiates, including fentanyl. Um, but fentanyl is, is not just part of the opiate supply. It's, it's everywhere. So right. this was inadvertent that they were using cocaine and uh, trying to use cocaine and it was laced with fentanyl. But these days, if, if people are buying pills on the street, uh, the, what we call pressed pills, they're illegally made, uh, they could be think they're buying Xanax and it has fentanyl in it. They can be buying anything. Uh, it has fentanyl in it. Unfortunately, as I keep telling everybody, this is still a growth industry, the treating substance use disorders. Even even heroin users who had uh, gone into recovery and relapsed, we're, using, we're losing them as well just because yes. of the strength of yes. these things. And let's talk about, you know, these test strips and, uh, of course, the Narcan saving many lives. But there are some limits, right, to even the test strips. I, I was reading that there is like a newer form of, of fentanyl that, that can't be, uh, what is it, carfentanil, that can't be detected from the yeah, strips? It, nothing is uh, going to be a guarantee. Right. The only way to guarantee that you don't get exposed to fentanyl is not use illicit drugs. Right. Um, so what we're trying to do is, is make things safer for those people who ignore that advice right. or are not capable at this point in time of following that advice. So if they are, if we can convince people to test whatever drugs they're using, and if there's anything about the test result that makes them the least bit leery, get rid of the drugs. Don't use them. Right. Um, that's the treatment. Um, you know, so it, it's another tool. It's not an answer. Right. Rich, how did you get involved with ELIH and uh, helping to proliferate? We're going to talk about the Narcan stations. Yeah. That we uh, that ELIH has been setting up. Yeah, the, the, you know uh, the hospital has just been such an amazing supportive uh, community leader. You know, in, in in a lot of these things. And so, at the time, I was uh, president of the uh, business improvement district in the in the village. And as Dr. Simon said, you know, this was in the hospitality industry. And you know, the the um, there's lots of 
discussion you can have about the reason why people use recreational drugs and everything. But it really concerned me that this struck so hard in our hospitality and our and our local community. So many like bright, lovely, hardworking human yep, beings. Yep, yep. Close people to the you know friends of the brewery, um, and so you know wanted to do something, and it, it struck me as an idea where, you know, getting these Narcan kits out into the community's hands and training people how to use them so that, you know, the time is relatively brief that you can interrupt this, you know, potential tragic result. So the idea struck me that, well, you know, we have these AED stations that are on the wall. If somebody has a heart attack, you know, there's a piece of equipment that walks you through what you need to do in order to save that person's life. Why not replicate that with a with like a narcan emergency station so in in discussing it with uh, linda sweeney from the hospital and paul connor um you know the idea came up that we could offer these things not only the training which is really important but offer up these stations to be placed somewhere wherever the establishment would want it to be that would then at least uh, be available for that immediate access to kind of like uh, grab a kit do what needs to be done interrupt what's going on, give that person a second chance at, at life, you know, making them more and, aware. And, and it's great because it gives uh, the rest community families as well as uh, the recovery uh, folks a chance to help somebody right. and to really, you know, it's a, it's instead of the person being gone forever, hmm. here is a real uh moment where you can say, okay, we need to help you. Right. And, and here's why. And I think that, you know, it's as much of the education of fentanyl and the pervasiveness that it is in our, in our community and the understanding of its potency. You know, a lot of people, even a year ago, many people didn't understand the level and the degree to which this fentanyl has and the, all the subsequent drugs that are now synthetic opioids that are coming out that are even more powerful and even more deadly. So it's really the opportunity to give us time to educate and inform people. But in the meantime, if somebody does come across a, a illicit tainted recreational drug that you know, you can make your judgments about whether they should be doing it to begin with. But well, in the you end, know, and, and when you talk about judgment, if you are someone who is using X, Y or Z, your judgment is not the same. It, it, part of your reasoning is being run by, you know, uh, the substance themselves. And so you're not hearing the same information in the same at the same volume. Right. Uh, and And just like. Uh, you were saying we we think oh it'll never happen to our community, uh, that message for an individual who is recreationally or uh, using because of addiction is hearing that uh, message at a very muted level and is very much uh, overpowered by the it it will never happen to me. Uh, Paul, do you want to touch on uh, the the proliferation of these stations and, uh, from your perspective, the involvement of the hospital? Yeah, thanks, Gianna. Um, uh, So we're grateful for Rich's leadership and certainly Cass J. They've been our partners for a long time and working with us in the hospital. Um, And so Eastern Long Island Hospital or Stony Brook ELI uh, is a natural partner here because we have our addiction continuum within the hospital. We have 10 uh, acute detox beds, 20 subacute rehab, and we have a large outpatient program uh, in Riverhead. That's so, fantastic. So we have this unique continuum. So 
so out of this tragedy created this moment for us with this leadership that Rich and, uh, and the team have provided to be able to go into the community to provide this education and to cr- create this awareness. And, and out of this, you know, slowly but surely, uh, people understood putting it next, putting these Narcan rescue stations next to AEDs, which I think was brilliant, showed them that this saves lives. This is what they call a harm reduction strategy. Right. It's education, it's placement of these kits. Uh, and many of the, uh, the, the restaurants uh, and the wineries, uh, certainly uh, Rich's establishment uh, in, uh, in Greenport and Peconic uh, led the way. But uh, we have now, uh, I'm counting here, probably about 20 uh, places, including Beautiful. with the town of Southhold, uh, uh, Mattertuck um, Park District, uh, the library. Um, it goes on and on. And, and now we are moving to the South Fork. Uh, and Fantastic. Uh, that uh, Linda Sweeney, our VP for External Affairs, uh, has reached out and, uh, and they are interested in us uh, speaking to them at their civic associations and any place else we can speak to be able to to do the same thing on the South Fork. More stations uh, equal less lives lost. It's it's simple. It's that simple, Dr. Simon, isn't it? I I mean, do you want to talk about the effectiveness of uh, this stuff and maybe touching on what I was saying earlier about uh, giving uh, f- families, loved ones, friends, and uh, the recovery um, community a chance to help people that may not uh, be able in the moment to help themselves or make a different choice? Yeah, I mean, the most important thing is actually saving that person's life at yeah. that moment. Um, you know, I've, I've talked about this for years. Paul has heard me say, I'd, I'd like there to be free vending machines everywhere that anybody could get Narcan anytime they wanted. Everybody right. should have Narcan. It's It doesn't only happen in specific places. No. It doesn't happen like on television. It happens in pizza places. It happens in um, in supermarket parking lots. It happens everywhere. And uh, the more people who have Narcan and have access to Narcan in their glove compartment, in their or glove what, compartment, you know, in their whatnot. pocketbook, uh, you know, wherever they have it, because it's it's not just because you're afraid that you're going to have an overdose or, or, or someone you, know. you love or right. right. It's because somebody has an overdose and you're able to be that person who helps. Right. And um, and it's, it's life-saving. And, no and different every time, from knowing CPR. Right. And every time you save a life, you give somebody an opportunity to try to get their life back on track. Right. This is unbelievably important stuff. Is there anything we didn't touch on that you want to make sure that we say uh, before we uh, get back to the, the tunes? I, the only thing I would add, you know, is, is just the... Um, the importance of spreading the word as to what it is. It's not, a, again, you know, we've had some places kind of look at us and say, hmm, well, I don't know if I did that, then it means that I have a problem in my particular establishment or in this location. And it's really just more of, as, as you know, Dr. Simon has said, that it, it, it really is just that immediate access to something that's going to be a tool. Care. It's care. Uh, you know, I, I really appreciate you, Rich, for, for standing up and talking about this as a business leader, because it's removing the stigma from something that uh, absolutely ought. Uh, as we, you know, talked about earlier, this is something that's affecting folks from across the spectrum. And uh, to date, I I bet you'd struggle to find someone 
who has not been affected by this, whether it's someone in their family, uh, a friend. Uh, you know, Dr. Simon, do you want to talk yeah, a little bit about this? it's much less than six degrees of separation. Yes. If you, when you speak to people, everybody has someone they know who has either been affected by, um, by substance use disorders in the past or is still um, that they're worried about. You know, I had a, I had a, a, a private practice for decades and uh, I would see somebody for high blood pressure and as we were getting ready to end the visit, they'd say, can I talk to you about one more thing? And they'd want to talk about a grandchild or a niece or a nephew or a sibling. Brutal. It's just, it's, it's, it's incredibly prevalent. It's still spreading. It's still growing. Um, it's a public health crisis. You, you know what else is amazing, oh. uh, uh, Gianna, is that, which I learned in the process of being educated by Cascade, my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, doctor, is that you know, naloxone, when you administer it, even if you're not certain if this person is maybe suffering a catastrophic thing, there's zero effect upon the person. It's not like you can't administer this drug and have it be harmful to oh, you. Oh, okay. Like, like for example, if someone's having, if you think someone's having a heart attack, but they're not having a heart attack and you put the paddles on their chest, <laughs> if they're not, you could be doing something that hurts them. But right. this is... Yeah, Narcan has no adverse side effect. Uh, it, uh, it can only has the potential to help somebody who's suffering from an opiate overdose. And it's and the important thing is that the it's not like Pulp Fiction where they had to shove a, a <laughs> right. needle in somebody's chest. This is a nasal spray. Yes. Yeah. Everybody is capable of doing this. It's cr- incredibly easy. The The training is, uh, you know, I, I told my wife I went for Narcan training, and she says, well, is it complicated? Yeah. I said, no, you just stick the thing in the nose and press it, and boom. You know, you're administering a life, uh, potentially a life-saving uh, therapy for that individual. And it's and it's almost immediate. I watched. I was I was driving through Riverhead. I saw someone who had collapsed on a sidewalk, and then I saw someone who who was completely unrelated run up, uh, administer the Narcan, and the person was almost immediately roused. Uh, granted, it was a. Probably like August or something in the summer. So I was sitting there for for a minute, but it's it was mind blowing to me to yeah. think that this simple act by this kind, uh, str- you know, this uh, str- random act of kindness by someone who could help, mm-hmm. and this was before uh, medic medics could respond. Mm-hmm saved this person's life. I don't know them from Adam, but they're, it's someone who could be gone forever, mm-hmm. who has a family and loved ones and is a human being who is now there and might have been gone forever. Right. Mm-hmm. Just a word of caution. So while you're right, it's incredibly fast acting. It also doesn't last very long. It's short okay. at lasting. So they, so, yeah, it was so good you, that someone they, was coming to Yes. You always, if, you're, you, if you use Narcan, you call 911 also. You need additional trained help. That's fantastic. I didn't know that. I'm glad to know that now uh, for folks out there who might not have. Dr. Simon, is there anything that we didn't t- touch on that you want to make folks aware of, uh, particularly any any resources through the hospital, uh, folks out there who might be listening that might be able to benefit from your work? Uh, as Paul mentioned, we have a full complement of services, whether it's detox, rehab, or outpatient treatment. Our outpatient treatment is located out in Riverhead. We people can make appointments. Um, they can make appointments because they know they have a problem. They can make an appointment because they know someone who has a problem, especially if it's in their family. 
we have some walk-in appointments also. Uh, I don't have the phone numbers offhand. I know you can go to elih.edu uh, or elih.stonybrookmedicine.edu. Uh, and just a note to, to families, uh, because this is something that, uh, especially if there is an issue in the family, that there there's almost it's hard for folks to to talk about this stuff, but it's incredibly important uh, when it comes to uh, saving uh, the lives of someone you know, who's been lost. If we didn't make it clear, these stations, these rescue stations, they're available free of charge. They're available free of charge. The the training is there's no charge for the training. So. You know, thanks to the hospital and its underwriting of, of uh, you know, providing for these things, they're, they're relatively small. They easily can go on the wall. There's instructions on the box. There's instructions in the bag. Free of charge. Anybody can put them up. So there's really no threshold whatsoever to anybody accessing these things. So, um, you know, we can certainly put that up, uh, perhaps, uh, you know, how they can get a hold of the hospital. And it's on the Eastern Long Island uh, Hospital website. So, um, you know, I really, really applaud the, the, the way that the hospital has backed this up. Linda, I, don't, I hate to drag you in here, but I would love to hear very briefly if you uh, the introduction on the South Fork, the discussions you've been having. Yeah, come on over. Oh, hi. Hi. <laughs> the impeccably dressed Linda Sweeney. <laughs> Thank you so much. So thanks to our good friends at Southampton Hospital who... Um, is also part of the Stony Brook family. Robert Ross, their VP of External Affairs, introduced me to the um, South Hole Business District. So we're going to be unfolding the program. Southampton. Oh, Southampton. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, we're going to be unfolding the program over there. Beautiful. We're yes. so excited. We love so what we do. So we're we're excited to, for a follow up there to hear more about how this program is expanding to the South Fork. Very grateful for all of the lives being saved and uh, very grateful to all four of you for coming into the studio. Thanks for helping us get the word out. It is my honor and my privilege. Uh, I'm Gianna Volpe. That was Rich Vandenberg, Paul Connor, Dr. Lloyd Simon, and Linda Sweeney. Uh, This is Burning Spear and you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome and you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLI. WFM news you can trust and music you love on 88.3 FM throughout Eastern Long Island and coastal Connecticut, 96.9 in central and western Suffolk County, streaming online to wherever you may be at WLIW.org slash radio. It's the Medical Monday segment, underwritten by Jennifer Benton. This edition also brought to you by Glenn Hansen Gallery.
The youth from the What You Dream When You Sleep in the Night record of 2019 leading you into the NPR news break here on the youth edition of the Heart Morning and Midnight Show featuring music from all decades and genres and interviews with folks from all walks of life, all because of you, the listener supporter of Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. 
News you can trust, music you love on 88.3 FM throughout eastern Long Island and coastal Connecticut, 96.9 in central and western Suffolk County. We will be back. With Long Island local news on Monday, January 22nd, 2024, I'm Gianna Volpe on WLIWFM. New York State's conservative party leaders are backing former President Donald Trump for the White House ahead of tomorrow's New Hampshire Republican primary, citing massive support for the Queen's native from rank and file members. Quote, the evidence is there's overwhelming support in the conservative party for Donald Trump. That quote from New York State Conservative Party Chair Gerard Kassar. Kassar said Trump 77 will curb illegal immigration and help rein in the U.S.-Mexico border crisis that has spiraled out of control under President Biden. Quote, there's no place that can handle the population of migrants coming into the country. The number of migrants arriving here is way past what's manageable. Allowing everyone in is not a policy. End quote. Carl Campanile reporting in the New York Post that the Conservative Party is the third largest vote getter in the Empire State after the Democratic and Republican parties earning line C on the ballot. The Conservative Party often, though not always, aligns with the Republican Party in supporting right of center candidates, particularly for president. The New York State Republican Party primary will be held. April 2nd, state GOP chair Ed Cox has remained neutral, saying he wanted to give all Republican candidates for the White House the opportunity to stump in the state. So far, five of New York's nine House Republicans are supporting Trump, the Post reported on Saturday. In other news, drivers concealed, obstructed or used bogus license plates to dodge 224,000 tolls a month last year at Metropolitan Transportation Authority bridges and tunnels, as well as an annual total of nearly 20,000 Suffolk County camera tickets, according to data obtained by Newsday. Alfonso A. Castillo and Lorena Mangelli reporting on Newsday.com that bridge and tunnel evasions were more than double compared with 2019, according to figures obtained through a public records request. Plate cheaters cost the MTA about $46 million in total revenue in 2022, the agency has said. Suffolk County, meanwhile, couldn't bill 19,763 automatic red light tickets last year because of obstructed plates, up 8% from 2019, according to agency figures. At Port Authority crossings, tolls that couldn't be billed doubled from five years ago to 191,368 On average, each month through November, those numbers include obstructed and fraudulent plates as well as transaction errors, weather-related issues, and plates not registered with the state DMV. It has said it lost about $40 million in total on billable tolls. While down from a peak in 2021, experts and officials expect the problem will only get worse as toll collections ramp up with the MTA's $1 billion a year congestion pricing plan, which would charge most drivers $15 to enter Manhattan below 60th Street. Christopher Brockmeyer, chief deputy sheriff at the Suffolk 
County Sheriff's Office noted concealed license plates can be used to evade law enforcement detection by criminals committing more serious crimes, too. Motorists are hiding their license plates both with low-tech solutions like tinted license plate covers strategically positioned bicycle racks and bogus paper tags, and high-tech innovations such as automatic shutters or plate flippers that can be activated at the press of a dashboard button. And finally, East Hampton Village will once again make its coveted non-resident beach parking permits available to East Hampton Town residents at a discounted price for one day only and only if purchased in person tomorrow at the East Hampton Emergency Services Building on North Main Street in East Hampton Village. Michael Wright reporting on 27East.com that as with last year, the permits will go on sale at 9 a.m. Tuesday at a cost of $500 each. They will only be available at that price for the one day and will go on sale online on February 1st for $750. The application form that must be submitted to East Hampton Village staff at the in-person sale is available on the village website, easthamptonvillage.org. The permits are required for parking at Georgica Beach, Main Beach, Wyborg Beach, Egypt Lane, and Two Mile Hollow. Just 3,100 of the non-resident permits are issued each year in the form of digital registrations linked to license plates and enforced with a plate scanner mounted on a patrol vehicle. The village started the in-person sale after successive years when the non-resident permits were sold only online and sold out in less than one day, largely to seasonal visitors, leaving many East Hampton Town residents frustrated at not being able to get the permits. Staying in East Hampton for the weather looking like increasing clouds this Monday with a high near 36 degrees. Wind chill between 20 and 25 degrees southwest wind 8 to 13 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a low around 31 degrees. Wind chill values again between 20 and 25. West wind, 13 to 16 miles per hour. Right now, it's 30 degrees, and we've got the youth edition continuing in honor of uh, Harmony's new favorite song to fall asleep to. It's youth from, I don't know how to say this, Artist name Asgire, Asgir, uh, from the Bury the Moon record of 2019. That'll be up after, who do we have here? George Taylor, V. Torres, and The Midnight. Then I'll play that uh, Asgire track. Uh, we'll see how we, where we move after that here on the Heart Morning and Midnight Show featuring music from all decades and genres and interviews with folks from all walks of life, all because of you, the listener-supporter of Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM, news you can trust, music you love. Like you. 
You're listening to Commercial Free Public Radio right here on WLIWFM. The Heart Morning and Midnight Show with Gianna Volpe on Long Island's only local NPR radio station. WLIWFM. simply the collective contribution of millions of human beings who carry in themselves certain power and influence and emotion. And every time you, you turn the switch off of one of those persons, you've dampened the globe. It's the fundamental question of whether this society is going to find a way to make itself as, in, as rich and as powerful and, if you will, as beautiful as potentially it can be. Like adventures, you gotta be people, and all this. It's sort of like an adventure, big adventure. It's fun. Do you remember how 
Mazgeier, Two Glass Animals. You're listening to WLIWFM, Long Island's only local NPR radio station. It's the youth edition of The Heart.
youth is yours Tripping on skies, sipping waterfalls My youth, my youth is yours Run away now and forever My youth, my youth is yours The truth so loud you can't ignore My youth, my youth, my youth My youth is yours to Billy Bragg and the Libertines, Flanders and Swan. You get a little bit of it all here on WLI WFM's Heart. Morning and Midnight Show featuring music from all decades and genres. Helps I be of America Helps I can from themselves Helps I the suntan suburb boys and the Californian girls When the lights go out Inside, they're flying in the sun and having fun, fun, fun till daddy takes the gun away. From the big church to the big river and out to the shining sea. This is the land of opportunity and there's a monkey trial on TV. And a nation with their freezers for adopted in their seats. Well, outside another nation is sleeping in. Streets. Don't tell me the old, old story Tell me the truth is time It's the man in the mask or the Indian An enemy or a friend of mine Just of leaving and the price of bringing him home. They're already shipping the body bags down below the Rio Grande. But you can fight for democracy at home and not in some foreign land. And the fight of the great United States is entwined in the fight of us all. The incident at Genoa proves that where we're living is very small. And the cities of Europe have burned before And they may yet burn again And if they do, I hope you understand 
Washington will burn with them. Omaha will burn with them. Los Alamos will burn with them. Help save the youth of America from Billy Bragg's 1986 record, Talking with the Taxman, about poetry. This is the Libertines' title track to their 2015 record, Anthems for Doomed Youth. This is the anthem for doomed youth. Flanders and Swans, the youth of the heart, before P.O.D.'s Youth of the Nation. That musical youth and Jenny Lewis will lead you into the NPR news break with Youth of Today and Wasted Youth, respectively. I'm Jetta Volpe, and you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM, powered by your donations to WLIWFM.org.
tried one once before Was the king's head on the floor And we got booted out of boozer Cause someone smashed a glass Life could be so handsome was a young man, I hadn't a penny. When shall we marry, my Molly would say. But I was a wise man and said to my darling, love that is true love will not fade away. Oh, the youth of the heart and the dew in the morning. You wake and they've left you without any I went to America looking for money I worked all the day and I slept all alone The sweet silver dollars I saved for my darling To clothe her in satin and make her my own Oh, the youth of the heart and the dew in the morning You wake and they've left you without any warning. I came back to Ireland, my pockets a jingle, and the wedding bells rang as I came down the street. Oh, where is the colleague I've come back to marry? I asked the first neighbor I happened to meet. Oh, the youth of the heart and the dew in the morning. You wake and they've left you without any warning. Your love has grown weary of keeping her kisses and learning a song that will never be sung. This morning your Molly has married another, a penniless man with a heart that is young. Oh, the youth of the heart and the dew in the morning. You wake and they've left you without any warning. 
So all you young lovers are ready to marry, remember my story and mind what I say. For I was a wise man, and now I am sorry. The wisdom of winter is madness in May. Oh, the youth of the heart and the dew in the morning. You wake and they've left you without any warning. You know, I think I'm going to be bunny hopping past uh, mus- musical youth's youth of today, the title track of their 1982 record. I'll play P.O.D. Gets pretty hard, but it's all right. And Jenny Lewis, Wasted Youth, and then lead you into the NPR news break with something I didn't think I'd play, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's the Adventure Club remix of Youth uh, from Foxes, a single from 2013. You're on the Youth Edition of The Heart on WLIWFM. News you can trust, music you love, or don't love so much, depending on the track and your tastes. But we do have something for everyone here on the Morning and Midnight Show, The Heart of the East End.
tragedies claim No matter what you say, it don't take away the pain That I feel inside, I'm tired of all the lies Don't nobody know why, it's the blind leading the blind Guess that's the way that the story goes Will it ever make sense? Somebody's gotta know There's gotta be more to life than this There's gotta be more to everything I thought exists
I imagine that track is related to opiates in some way. She's saying, on a, I wasted my youth on a poppy. It's kind of fun to imagine she's saying on a puppy, although time spent with a puppy is never wasted. We all know that. All right. A little club music to lead you in. <laughs> this is Fox's Youth, the Adventure Club remix. Thank you so much to ELIH, Chief Administrative Officer Paul Connor III, Chief Medical Officer Dr. Lloyd Simon, ELIH Foundation Vice President Linda Sweeney, and Greenport Harbor Brewery owner Richard Vandenberg for joining us on this morning's Heart, underwritten by Jennifer Benton and Glenn Hansen Gallery. I'm Gianna Volpe, and you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome, and you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Just begun, 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 begun.